Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre, and here we are live at Pause on Air with... Matt Petrowski. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good to actually be face-to-face. It is uh, always good to be face-to-face, and with everybody else who is here at Pause. It's true. And uh, we there was something like 100 or supposedly 120 came. I don't know the exact count, but it was amazing being here. Even with that small number, uh, for example, Jeff Coffey, I saw him when he got here, when he walked through the door, and I, when I was getting my room, never saw him the rest of the time. I don't think I saw him at all. No, he was there. Somebody, uh, Jesse Barnum downstairs, he was just saying, yeah, I saw him on the streets. And that was the only time he saw him, you know, when people are getting lunch and stuff like that. So even though it's small, it's just so easy to just miss people. And so it's really nice when you're able to sit down and have the time and talk with people and really invest that time, even though you do miss some of the people that you know and you're familiar with. So uh, what are the things you got from Pause this year? Um, actually, what would be cool is if we each do, like, what's the one walk away you get? You know, for me, it's a... I'm not getting, you know, I don't want to brag. It's a little difficult to say, you know, I learned a ton, but there are those little nuggets that I learned. And the one thing that I learned, it was in Darren Terry's um, session on the dependency tree, where he was basically walking through, you know, what happens when uh, you set a variable, you know, does the window refresh? No, it doesn't refresh unless you actually cause a refresh with the script step. Right. And then we know that one. We hate that, you know, the windows refresh. Well, lo and behold, this, there's this one obscure little thing. I like to call it workaround pro when you're using things that aren't <laughs> used for you know, what they're supposed to be. But if you, use, if you call a, uh, a script set to set the custom menu to whatever the current custom menu is, it will force the window to refresh. So without, for, yeah, without causing a flicker in Windows. Exactly. So if you've set a variable or a global variable, and that global variable is on the layout as a merge variable, you know, and you don't want to use the refresh window step... Use a, the custom menu. Set right. custom menu step. Bizarre, but totally worth it. Yeah, I love when little things like that get found. And that was a really, that moment was really, really big in that session. People were like, wait a minute, hold on, stop. And rewind. Explain that again. I'm going to make absolutely sure I get that. Yep. Now, that was my takeaway. What about you? Did you do anything the, else? The biggest thing for me was actually some business conversations that I had with a lot of different uh, other people who are business owners. I'm kind of at the crossroads in several different things I'm doing business-wise. And so I was really talking about that more than the technology this time around. So, I did get some pretty good tech stuff, too. So give me insight. Business as in, you as know, in vertical versus consulting versus... Yeah, vertical versus consulting versus, uh, you know, developing software like FM search results and where the best place to spend the time is and how you should structure those things and what kind of things you should avoid and what the goals are. And just sort of rethinking that. I think that was really big for me this year. Well, when it comes to, like, products that people are selling in the... FileMaker market space, one of the things that I've noticed, or in the vertical market space, I should say, a lot of people who have vertical markets, and if you're someone out there who has a vertical market solution, selling and promoting your FileMaker vertical solution to the FileMaker market isn't the best place to be. You want to promote within the industry where people are looking for that vertical market app, and there's a lot of people that tend to do that. I would say that actually much more strongly than that. The people that you're selling a vertical application to do not know or care about FileMaker. Exactly. And they won't know or care about FileMaker even after they buy your software. They're not a FileMaker customer. They are your customer. Exactly. In fact, um, talking in, of all things, uh, it was um, Martha Zink's session on uh, designing something that James Bond would use, which was basically about um, user interaction design and principles and consistency, etc. Um, one of the topics that came up was the person said they were talking about uh, people including their logos in... Oh, yeah. uh, 
um, in a solution? You know, do you do it in the splash screen or do you do it in the solution? I was just like, I hate it when people put either the company's logo or their own logo and occupy like a third of the top of the screen. It's like total waste. <laughs> Apple doesn't do that in their software. You open iTunes, there's not, you know, three quarters of it isn't Apple with a giant Apple. You're using the software. Now, the splash screen may come up, but... Well, I see your point about the logo thing. I was in that session, too, and actually I want to bring up another point about that that referenced you. But when you launch iTunes, the only window that you have is the iTunes window. It doesn't really have any other windows. But when you have a database application, generally there's a main menu that has you know, navigation and buttons and as a place you return to and a place from which you start. And it has a whole bunch of other things in there that are sort of iTunes-like of, nav- of uh, portals and graphs and things like that that give you, you know, heads-up display or dashboard-type stuff. Yeah. So I don't actually see a problem at all on having a one-by-two-inch logo there of the company. So, yeah. But what was and your point? Do, do, a preference thing. We, we were talking about... Um, the vertical market and promoting and, and stuff right. like that. And so having fine. your logo. And do you, do you think, I think some of the people in the room thought that it's really good if you build an application for a, an individual client that you actually make the colors look. Um, I think that was Deb Norton actually had some really, really good points in that session. She says she, when she does a solution for a client, she goes in and looks at their website if it's right. well designed takes a look at their color theme, takes a look at their office space, takes a look at their corporate corporate culture, and makes the software she's writing feel and look like what they have. Provided they like it. Provided they like it, right? Because <laughs> if they have a website they hate, then she doesn't do that. Right. So you got to find out that I first. think there's a lot of wisdom to that. It is. Uh, definitely, if you're trying to appease the client, and the clients can say, oh, wow, this is so cool. My software looks like our identity. Well, there's only one important measure of success for software. Adoption. Yeah, whether people use it. I mean, right. of course. And, and that's, an adoption is a multi-pronged thing, right? It's, like, it's not only you can't be forced to use it, or you could, but really you want to want to use it. And if it looks and feels and works and makes you think uh, the, the, the right thoughts that work within your organization, then and the user, you know, the user interface should support that. Right. So what are the vertical aspect about that? What do you think about having a logo of, your, of the company who built the thing as opposed to the company who's using it up on the screen? In the software, I, I'm all splash screen. I mean, if the software itself represents the quality that you want it to, then as soon as you show the splash screen or as soon as they go to the website to download it, anywhere where they see the identity of what they've got and where they got it from, they'll remember that and they'll associate the quality of the UI with the identity without the identity being there. That's just my personal take. It's actually funny. When I think about it at Pre-1, I remember our logo on the splash screen and on the menu getting smaller and smaller over the years. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a lot of space that when you factor that software is about the usability, the logo, where does that fit into the usability? That's branding and marketing. That's not necessarily usability. The same doesn't apparently apply to people's choice of sunglasses here in New York. (laughs) <laughs> where they have gigantic logos on the entire side of the glasses so or something. Have you had you been to New York? Oh, several times. Well, not a lot of times, but like maybe five. This was my first time to New York. Really? So, yeah, I've, I've not been here. So, my impressions, New York, it's nice, but it's not for everybody. For, oh, yeah, for sure. For me in particular, uh, it's not so much the crowded fact as it is, and we're here, you know, in Manhattan. I haven't experienced anything outside of Manhattan. So I could I only see 10, maybe 11 million people wanting to live here. <laughs> I have no idea how many people. Are 10 or 11 million. Oh, gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> but all the buildings are, they're, the architecture is unique. It's very, it's cool. If you're really into buildings, it's awesome to look at all the buildings. But 
it's I walk past all the buildings and for me it's almost like there's these little each door is a little cubby hole into what you have no idea it's yeah. like these tall buildings there's people in them do people live there are they places people work and it's just a door in the, like the side of a wall of a giant square box and you're like whoa and I'm just not used to that I, you know I'm I like I like camping and getting out and trees and stuff I'm more of a open space type of guy but I mean it's awesome we I had a New York Let's go to Central Park then. I didn't... Huge open space right in the middle of the city. I'd love to do that. I didn't have enough time. I did have the New York experience. Um, Micah Woods took me around the corner, and rather than going to just your standard restaurant, where the prices in New York, hey, they're up there, you know? It's well, for just, some things, you can also get breakfast for three bucks, you know? Yes, when you go to, like, those little places yeah, that are yeah. off the way, or not even off the way, just across the street, that don't look like a place that you would go to eat, because it doesn't have the fancy storefront. Right. But I went to a, um, just a place where your average New Yorker eats, where it's sort of a buffet style. You go in, it's like this quasi- um, supermarket with uh, hot food that you can also get. And then you just walk up these little stairs in the back of this place, which is also sort of this shopping market type place. And then you just eat your lunch up there and then you go back to do whatever you're doing, work sure. or whatever. So that was really cool to experience that and, you know, see how New Yorkers actually live and what they do and stuff like that. So what of all of the experiences that you have here at Paws, what are the, what are the things that are going to stick out that you say, you know, these are the memories, these are the things that I'm going to remember? Well, the biggest one is really being able to sit down with people uh, who are the owners of their company, and you can ask them any kind of questions, right? Dave from Facility Wizard did a session, and he actually opened up the program that they use to their quoting program that they use for all of their contacts, the live version. He opened up their books and showed their sales for the last year, the actual sales figures live in the software. I can't imagine anyone ever doing that at DevCon. And that was, it was so valuable to see, like to be able to compare and to know their reality and to know what you can scale to if you do everything right, like he has done everything right. And, to what heights can you can you get if you really if you follow those plans and that's that's very valuable you've totally nailed it it's the it's the transparency aspect where just the atmosphere and the feeling you get the ability to talk to people and just talk i don't know you know defcon has its place definitely but here you get that more of a it's an interpersonal social interaction thing that you get with establishing the relationships I don't know if it's because of the size or it's because of the venue or it's because of the premise under which it was started and how it operates, but that exists and that's the that's the food that people are looking for, the mental food, and that's what you get. I mean, last night, just had the most hilarious, fun conversation with uh, Todd Geist talking about the future of technology and things like that. And we had this, it had to have been a 15 or 30 minute debate about how quickly and whether or not Google is going to disappear. And he was, he's just... <laughs> He's adamant that Google will disappear and something will replace wow. it. And I was totally arguing the opposite side. Like, no, once you've established mindshare for something, Google now equals search. It became the verb. So unless they really screw up or something completely disruptive changes the way that people are going to find things, I'm like, I don't see Google going away. And he's like convinced it's going to be in the next 10 years. So oh, now 10 years, sure. Now at least I've got it documented. Well, there's some other interesting things, though, too. I mean, uh, we're going through some business consulting process. Someone brought up that, you know, most companies don't survive one year. And if you do, you don't have a very good chance of surviving five years. And if you do, you know, there's all these, all these numbers, the numbers game. And I've never been in a company that failed that I owned, right? So, I mean, but I keep it really small and, and uh, don't 
leverage it, you know, don't have a lot of debt or any debt really is the way I would choose to do it. So my consulting business has been around for a long time. And I think for a consulting business, it's not, it doesn't follow those same rules. You know, if you start it, hang up a shingle and you're a pretty good developer, you'll be able to be a consultant for your whole career if you want. Yeah. Or a small business. And we're not, FileMaker developers don't have businesses that fail like those other rates. But the other thing is 99% of businesses that succeed after five or 10 years still have a, range, a limit of one human lifetime. Most businesses do not last longer than one that, for me, lately has been a big thing. If, if the success of the business is tied to your efforts or directly to the efforts of people that you manage, that without your management, things right. would go away, how, right. how do you – a lot of people ask that question. How do you create something that's going to stain, sustain sort of beyond you? Not exactly. necessarily that you need it, but because that also leads to a more comfortable lifestyle. Right. Well, like how many businesses that you buy something from today were here 100 years ago? Coke, Pepsi. Were they here? I don't think they were 100 years old. Oh, I don't know what their exact number is, but you, you look in the f- future and you say, you know, what's going to replace it? There are things that come and go, like Tab was a very popular soda product, oh, yeah, or yeah. RC Cola was very popular. Right. But I don't know. I mean, go back how far? I mean, is Coke ever going to be replaced by some futuristic, you know, soft drink that everybody well, just Think about, loves? like, Sears and May Company and the things that were really big when we were kids. Those are really big companies. And those companies had been around for 100 years. Levi Strauss, yeah. you know. Those aren't really the big brands now. So some companies can do a really good job of changing, but it's really hard to, to change properly with the market for 100 years. So what about FileMaker? What, what are your theories? Or is Apple. It, is it, does it uh, wither in 10 years? Is it gone in 10 years? Um, wow, the knows? way that technology is moving, I mean, the cloud, are that many people going to be using tablet-like de- devices until we get to something that, you know, I don't know, is like virtual mm-hmm. contact lenses or whatever in the sci-fi books we read. But what place will FileMaker have in the next five years, ten years? Well, since they've been around for 25 years and we've got 25 years of sort of steady growth and no huge explosive growth really anywhere in there, like Facebook, for example, I think you could fairly safely predict in five or 10 years, they're going to be around the same relation to the market that they have now, unless they do something wild, which I frankly hope they will do. Yeah, that's what I see. They would have to do something pretty wild because otherwise all of the browser-based technologies, everything that you get in terms of the interaction is going to be there in the browser that you can get. The real-time interaction that you get with FileMaker is slowly, slowly being placed in you know in place in order to do that right. in the browser and in apps or whatever i yeah, mean they, there used to be an argument that said they call it a browser for a reason it's really good at browsing it's not good at actually running a business and and having all the interaction that you get with filemaker but that's changing you're but absolutely you're right there. i mean they're going to put they will have a database built into the browser SQLite will be eventually part of safari chrome whatever else mm-hmm. so whatever we're calling it firefox but not internet explorer <laughs> Well, Internet Explorer, you know, it's there because Microsoft still has all that uh, platform. Yeah, that'll have .NET Lite or SQL (laughs) Server Lite or... (laughs) Were there any other areas of takeaway for you? Um, In terms of, like, explicit technical things, there weren't... um, In my own session, I liked hearing from other people suggestions. Stephen had this, like, really awesome suggestion, Stephen Delensky. Um, I was showing people all of the different techniques that I have that I when I design my layouts, how I do things and how I optimize things. And one of the things that we were talking about was using, you know, containers and storing graphics and images in containers. So I really, I won't develop in FileMaker, you know, 
without script master in my situation i can because i'm only creating products i'm right, not creating stuff right. for clients per se he had this idea of in CSS, you know, you use sprites. So you have one single image, and it'll have all the different variations of a button. I prefer 7-Up. An, uh, <laughs> an up, a down, and then a non-active state. A 7-Up button? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm so bad. I should totally let you like finish your thought. Let I'm sorry. Let me in on that. Um, so think about this. Your whole FileMaker solution, all of its graphics are in one file. One PNG file and then it's all cut up and sliced according to coordinates. Now if you use ScriptMaster, on load, you can chop that one graphic up into all of its constituent parts and put it into a global field, because you have to get it into a global field mm -hmm. for the, you know one temporary global field, and then push it into global containers. So as part of the load, when you show a splash screen, you could just chop up this one single file, and from a maintenance standpoint, you now only have one graphic file, one container, and all the rest of your graphics are loaded memory resident into your global variables. That is cool. It's, I mean, it would be highly efficient. It doesn't add a lot of cruft to your solution. And yeah, that's two steps that are difficult, which is to be able to maintain that one single image with a bunch of images in it, and then knowing the exact coordinates of all those things, both of which are really small. Yes, but you could create, you know, basically all you need is a map. So if you have differing sizes of image, say you have a bunch of 80-pixel uh, icons up at the top and then right, right. below that you then have buttons that are going to be like 200 pixels in width yeah. or whatever all of those coordinates can easily be specified in a map and then this uh, groovy would just basically look at this map chop it up and throw everything into memory it solves a really cool problem i don't know how big the problem is that it solves comparing to having a couple hundred images i don't know how slow that is all i know is when i open somebody's filemaker solution if they got 50 different containers each of them holding a different icon for a different purpose yeah. i'm like Ugh. Not good. Okay. Not good. I've, uh, I guess I've never tried to do it with 50, but when I've tried to do it with 20, I've never seen any kind of a delay at all. But again, I don't well, know how that would delay. deploy to like go or... It's a management issue for me. No, it's but they're records, they're records in a table. That's, that's even easier then. Yeah, it's no big deal. And if you've got really good nomenclature, it makes it easy to manage. But I don't know. It's always easier for me to have one of something and just have a good system behind it rather than having 50 different things because as soon as you have to choose from anything more than three, sure. your time for making the choice increases dramatically. Makes sense. So in that Martha's Inc. podcast, there was a moment in there that you must have just totally turned beet red because, mm -hmm. because uh, someone goes, oh, Theme Studio, man, I, you have to get that. And then like someone else goes, oh, yeah, themes, I could not live without that. And then like five other people chimed in, and for like a minute – Everyone was saying that if you, if you haven't bought Theme Studio, you absolutely have to go buy Theme Studio right now. I'm grateful. That must have made I'm, you feel really good. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. It's, uh, it's been compared to back in the 80s when I when had done the um, Developer's Toolkit and the Scriptology book. The market space is a little bit different, so this has got a slower adoption. So anything to get the word out there, it, it felt great. It's really cool. Yeah, that latest thing that you did, uh, Chronomaly, Chronomaly, how do you pronounce it? Uh, Chronomaly. Chronomaly. <laughs> uh, it's just the most, it's the most beautiful layout for FileMaker Go I've ever seen. And you had the brilliant idea of adapting it and importing all the schedule for Pause on Air. Yeah, I'd like to thank John Sindelar for that. Basically, he put everything in his Zulu calendar. Then he was syncing whatever he did, but he didn't have a direct FileMaker file that was accessible. So I basically wrote up a little 10-line uh, Apple script. So after I connected to it via iCal, once it was in my iCal, I Apple scripted those out and just pushed them right into FileMaker. Yeah, it was a thing of beauty. That's what 
that's what I was using. It's kind of funny though. I didn't, the word didn't get, get out all the way to everybody. Cause I was showing it to someone during the very last session. He was like, Oh, I wish I had this for the whole thing. <laughs> well, what made me the most proud is when I was sitting in one of the sessions and I looked over and Lacates was flipping through it. Oh, nice. he, he, he had loaded it and he was using the, the calendar to look at, you know, what was coming up. So I, Hey, if they want to use it for DevCon or whatever else, I mean, it's already created as just one yeah. single interface. You know, anybody who wants to use it, just give me a buzz. And $20,000. Oh, that would be nice, but not required. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to add? Other than just, it was really awesome to see everybody. Everybody who came to Pause. It's. I'm so glad that they started this thing. I'm glad, you know, I'm happy about the direction that they're taking. The hotel here, was. it got a little bit crowded. Uh, the, it seemed like downstairs it was a, a trendy type of scene. So hopefully, I don't know whether it would be somewhere else or whether, you know, they might coordinate with the hotel and say, okay, are, is there any span of time where they're not having this massive party downstairs? Because it was sort of this clicky type of trendy place for, you know, younger people, not that I'm saying I'm that old, but, you know, they come in and the music was just boom, 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 just loud. And usually that's the central place where a lot of people like to meet and congregate. And so it would be nice to have that back where people can go to the lobby and sort of expect to find other people there in order to meet up, go out to eat, do whatever they're going to do. It's really funny. The Ace Hotel lobby here is a nightclub. Essentially, there's there's a person at the outside the hotel saying if you're not a guest, you have to stand in line so that you can get into the lobby and drink at the lobby bar. That's how cool it is. Yes, it did feel pretty cool though because you just had to show your room key and you're like, yeah, you're in. You're like I've never, I don't remember the other people. I don't remember staying at a hotel like that. Yeah. So the, I think the other thing that's interesting about uh, pause, like when I go to DevCon and and I, I certainly. I think I'm I'm loving DevCon and Pause both. I'm sort of comparing and contrasting them, but I'm always going to go to both events. I was talking to John Sindler about this, and and like what the the goal of this event is. Like for DevCon, the I always thought the goal was to get technical ideas, to get some uh, to get some ideas about what to do in your software. It was really about sort of the tech part of it. But I think for Pause, it's really about the people. It's just to hear to to come and and see the people that you really want to talk with of course a lot of the talk is technical until two o'clock in the morning but uh really just working with the people that you see online and email with and to actually get some FaceTime. yep i think um i mean you you know me i'm never shy of being completely honest i know that i know what drives uh, devcon there is an aspect of sales that drives uh, devcon to get you know they've got a lot more in-house developers here you've got more of a mind meld you just have the people inside the industry that just want to get together and share the information and that's what a lot of the developers a lot of us who are you know developing by ourselves and don't go out i mean we don't have a lot of people in our immediate area necessarily unless like for you there's a strong user group but where i'm at there isn't and for a lot of other people you know they're just developing by themselves so getting out and doing this and having that mind meld with people that's the most compelling aspect poor petrowski all alone in southern california (laughs) (laughs) well you know it happens i gotta get sitting down and Crank those themes out. Yeah. Well, you're also not really in a big populated area in Southern California, too, like between San Diego and Orange County. Yeah, bedroom community. Yeah. It's beautiful area. Families, kids. All right. Well, cool. Thanks. All right. Sounds like that's a wrap. It's a wrap. <laughs>